The year is 1197 and the long night has begun. When darkness falls, monsters walk the streets and alleys of the cities, congregating to plot and scheme. Fearing fire, the cross, and the lupines of the wild, the elder Cainites nonetheless seek to guide and control human civilization through centuries-old plots, while the younger vampires scrabble for power, influence, and prestige. Welcome to the world of Dark Ages. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode four of the World of Dark Ages podcast. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. This time we're looking at Clash of Wills, which is a scenario. So with that in mind, I thought I'd ask you, Peter, are you more of a player or a game master? Uh, when it came to Vampire the Masquerade, I was usually the game master or storyteller. Uh, I, I've played quite a bit as well, uh, but lately I've been uh, a player in a Dungeons & Dragons game mostly. Oh, 5th uh, edition? Yeah. I, I haven't actually tried 5th edition. Uh, I think the last edition I tried was either 3.0 or 3.5. Um, I get my, my high fantasy kicks with... Um, What's it called? Pathfinder. Oh, uh, yeah. Is 5th is edition good? Yeah, it's uh, it's very streamlined. Uh, so you, you don't have the uh, FACO and, and everything like that. It's, it's a very simplified system. But uh, I feel that all of the skills uh, and abilities still covers everything you need. And if there is something that you can't... That, that's not on your character sheet, you can probably just make something up at the spot. So, so I, I really like the... Uh, the simplicity hmm. of it. Oh, cool. Well, maybe I should try it sometime. Yeah, I, I used to be all about being a player, but over the last decade or so, I've slowly become more and more of a, a game master um, or storyteller when it's when it's um, vampire. I, I like both, but while I have no problem running multiple games, I'm more comfortable being a player in just one or two, uh, and I'm more picky about what I want to play as opposed to what I want to run. Uh, but so anyways, Clash of Wills. This is written by Steve Miller, developed by Justin Achille, and all the interior art is by Life Jones, or Leaf Jones, as I suppose you would call him in mm. English, uh, while the cover is by Dan Brereton. So firstly, what do you think of the cover? Well, I'm, I'm going to say that I, I actually liked it, and, and there's okay. a reason, yeah, because... Uh, it's there's nothing historical about it there's a, a guy who looks like he just came from a, a sisters of mercy concert holding a skull <laughs> uh, with long black hair and a cloak and and another guy with uh, a pointy hat like a, a, you could probably say he's a puritan but then it's like 500 years too early uh, so he looks more like a wizard and then you have someone who would probably fit more on the cover of a uh, D&D 3rd edition book but the thing is the, the whole feel of it uh, gives me this kind of hammer horror vibe with, with Peter Cushing and, and Christopher Lee uh, in the roles so so as just as a piece of art I really like it because it's it's very evocative but uh, for for the for the actual as a cover for this particular book or as some kind of historical uh, portrayal of, of 12th century vampires no then it then it's just horrible uh, yeah i uh, in my notes for the cover i just wrote one word uh, very apropos that we've been talking about dungeon dragons i wrote ravenloft yeah that that would be a very good uh, single word description of this cover actually <laughs> yeah. i mean 
I, I follow you that that it it looks really cool, um, but historically and and relating to the book in question, mm. it it doesn't really fit. Um, but moving away from the cover, what did you think about the interior art? Because that's quite different. Yeah, it is, and and it's quite simplified, and and some of it uh, is is actually uh, kind of fitting, like on on page six. You have uh, what is basically um, a version of the Bayo tapestry and a crazy guy holding uh, a sword, uh, yeah. trying to stab the reader. Uh, and yeah, I, I noticed. I noted that one as well. The tapestry on page six is just amazingly cool, really, really yeah, well made. Uh, but I'm I'm not sure that I'm a fan of Mr. Jones's uh, art style because there are a lot of like bulging eyes and and thin kind of emancipated uh, characters uh, i think you mean emaciated, emaciated yeah sorry <laughs> uh, yeah it's been a long day at work uh, ah. so uh, i know the feeling yeah but um yeah very very large eyes on page was it page eight you you have someone trying to stare through the screen at you as well uh, but uh, all in all it's um it's not really that bad when it comes to like being overly exaggerated or or more fantasy than historical. It's it's quite a simplified style. Uh, so yeah, I like the really like it's it's very much black and white with very little gray in between. I think it it actually works really well. It's it's um, some of the art is something that I could definitely see myself just copying or bringing the book out and showing to my uh, to my players in another game to set the uh, to set the scene. Because some of it, uh, I mean, I follow what you say with with the characters. They tend to be somewhat bulgy-eyed, um, but I really love um, his his depictions of. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a bit problematic. He he's supposed to depict a village. Uh, you have pictures on pages thirteen and fifteen. It looks like a big town or a city. You have. Um, a street that's completely paved and and things like yeah, that um, and they stones. are yeah. very very cool looking uh and and i think also somewhat historically accurate just it doesn't fit with what he's what's what the pictures are supposed to be describing which is a village yeah um and if i have to nitpick because uh sometimes i do on page 28 we have someone who is wielding a sword with a diamond cross section rather than a lenticular cross section <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. Um, for those of you, yeah. you who don't know, basically what it means is that the sword has a, um, a raised uh, midriff rather than uh, a fuller groove. And in uh, 1197, uh, swords had fullers because if you have this midriff, it's because the sword is specifically designed for thrusting and they weren't. So that's just me being rather nitpicky yeah, with, that's, with weaponry. That's also a few centuries too early. But. Yeah. So, uh, the setup for the scenario, as mentioned, this is a scenario, um, just briefly to, um, to, to paraphrase it so that people know that we're, what we're talking about. We have a nobleman uh, who has lived a life of sin, and now with death approaching, he has decided to try and buy some penance by building a monastery on his lands and possibly even giving his lands to the church upon his death. Uh, and then we have sort of a three-way power struggle. We have Clan Toreador, uh, who have uh, who have influence in the church, and they want this outcome because then the church gets the lands and they get the power that comes with this. Clan Ventru have influence over the crown and they want the lands to revert to the crown. And then we have Clan Brucia, who have um, domain over uh, a city somewhat close to the lands, 
and they have embraced the nobleman's strange son and they want him to inherit so they get a sort of uh, domain over these lands and the characters are then made agents of clan ventrue by default uh, this is set in england so that would be lord mithras but they do say that you can you can change it to somewhere else and they're asked to ensure that his lands revert to the crown uh, as for the framework i actually kind of like this because it highlights something that was very central to the Middle Ages, which is wealthy people, especially nobles, leaving money, income, and even land to the church, uh, which made the church rich and, and powerful and was a very big contributing factor to the Reformation and the rise of Protestantism. So I think the setup is actually believable and historically accurate, but I don't know if you agree to that. No, I, I actually do. It's it's a very uh, simple and easy setting, and then even mention it that if you don't want it to be set in in England, you could easily just pull it out and and uh, drop it in in whatever country or place that that you play in, and and for that it's it's actually quite easy to do. Uh, so so I don't have any problem with that. Um, it's yeah, it's uh, as as a setup. It I don't really see any problems with it. No, and, and I, I love this um, this idea that, that you get an insight into something that did happen in the Middle Ages, mm. which was people leaving huge tracts of land uh, to the church and the church essentially becoming nobles as well as um, a religious power. Yeah. Um, so first in the book, uh, there's the introduction. And is it just me or has the Gothic text on the first page of each chapter become slightly easier to read? Uh I don't. I think they actually use two different fonts, or uh, because some of it, or it might just be that it's um, uh, that's in italics, so, uh, so some of it is easier to read than other. Um, but yeah, I'm still not a fan of this font. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm looking forward to going away. Mm. Uh, so the introduction introduces the scenario, the. Uh, and the default setting, which is England 1197 in a fictional county between London and Nottingham. Uh, of note, the default nobleman is called an earl. Uh, so I decided to do some checking. And uh, while an earl's land can be called an earldom, um, after the Norman conquest of England, an earl was simply a different type of count. So uh, it's it's actually not... Um, in, uh, actually not um, incorrect that they call it a county even though the the, um, the man rules it as an earl so that that wasn't a problem mm. um, so anyway the the introduction clearly spells out what you said that you know it can be uh, it can be ruled the storyteller should adapt the game to suit their gaming group um, the only thing here that seemed off was the description of the default setting of Galtra County uh, they go into a quick description of it uh, I have one word for you, Peter. See if you agree. Hollywood. Yeah, that's. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that's a good description. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it has like one-room cottages, typically inhabited by two adults and their kids, and I, I immediately thought, well, what happened to the grandparents? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It and and the county of Galtra is centered around a village, and I'm thinking, okay, this person is an earl, and all he has to his name is a village. Um, I would have expected a town, especially because they say that the King's Highway is running through the entire county. Um, so so it, it just seems odd that all he has is a village. Uh, they also say that the uh, county is surrounded by a low wall, uh, but no explanation as to why. Uh, and then there's the description of the tavern, which to me was just like full on Hollywood because it's small in, but it says it has eight separate rooms. Yeah. Um, 
it it seems to me like yeah, I said Hollywood, but also somewhat Dungeons and Dragon esque. You know, you get an idea of the standard fantasy village. Yeah, at least I do. Yeah, I I agree that there there should be something more to to explain why the Earl, uh, if if nothing else, to explain where he gets his income from. Uh, because I, I guess he could take a toll from the king's uh, highway or or that there are like huge fertile lands around but they don't really mention it it's it it feels more like it's supposed to be this this little remote area where where, where vampires can scheme and there's nothing really close by to to interfere with it uh, yeah. so so yeah it's it's a bit weird actually uh, and then they min oh sorry uh, go ahead uh, yeah now I was just going to mention that that the, the setup for it um, I think it's kind of weird that they don't really um, give you any um, uh, any guidelines on on power levels for for the characters uh, the, the only thing I could uh, I could find was that at some point uh, the person who gives them the quest called them Ancilla uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, they 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 say that that yeah. He says that they, they that they have reached this level of Ankila and Silla. Mm. How are you supposed to pronounce it? Um, but there's no real um, description because I checked the core book and they dis they they don't say sort of how old someone is to be an Ancilla. They say that elders are three hundred years older or more. But but it's 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 kind of difficult to figure out. Yeah what how powerful the characters are supposed to be yeah b because and and they mention it as well that it's at some point there there is a real danger of character death uh, which means that you you should probably um adapt or or make sure that you the, the player characters are actually in an uh, in a real danger of dying in these um, um in these encounters uh, but if uh, if you play this as part of your own campaign, then you could probably have characters who could just waltz through this. And the fact that they they don't give any guidelines whatsoever as to uh, as to the power levels of of the of what the power levels of the characters should be, uh, I think that's um, that's one of the flaws of this scenario. Because uh, either you're going to have characters who uh, or just going to die, or or the, um, the storyteller will have to adapt everything uh, if if is if they're unlucky on the fly, which isn't going to uh, be conductive of of a good gaming session. Yeah, I mean, I understand that there are some problems with uh, making s relatively generic scenarios for something like Vampire. If you take uh, Dungeons and Dragons, mm. Pathfinder, you have sort of of an idea you can say well this is for a group of fifth level and then you have an idea of of what you can um of what challenges you can throw to to them but when it comes to um when it comes to vampire you can have a group that would breeze through any social encounter and fail every combat encounter or you can have a group that would slaughter everything but but struggle with social relations but still you're you're right um also because this is the first scenario uh published for dark ages um and you would think that the best thing to do here would be an intro scenario but this is very clearly uh set up also if you look at the challenges the characters encounter this is set up to be 
for some more experienced characters. So, but yeah, we we'll, we can get into that a bit later. Yeah. But what, one last thing in the description, uh, it, it as we mentioned, the uh, the Earl has constructed a monastery on his lands in order to uh, curry favor with God when he dies, and it says that the monastery con- was constructed in one year. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, okay, that monastery must be tiny. Yet later, when it's described, it seems fairly big. Yeah. Um, you're not going to be constructing even a medium-sized monastery in just one year. No. Mainly because you can't work all year. Construction would probably stop at least during a month, month and a half in winter, if not three months in winter. So, uh, so yeah, this, this seems a bit strange that it just took a, a, a year to build what is described as being a fair-sized monastery. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, if, if you look at, at cathedrals and churches and, and things like that, you could. It wasn't unusual that they took centuries, literally centuries, to build. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's a very quick, like you said, it's either very small or uh, some kind of miracle has happened. Yeah. Okay. So the second chapter is Act One, uh, and I absolutely like uh, love uh, the intro to the acts uh, where they have this wherein the characters etc you know wherein the characters are introduced to or this happens i like that i know that that it was something that was used in in text later than the middle ages but it mm. still gives it a nice historical feel um to it so so i i approve of that yeah the the actual uh, thing to do it is is kind of neat but some of the descriptions are kind of they're they're a bit cheesy to say the least but yeah that is true. <laughs> um, so the act starts in London by default. Of course, if you move it, you can move it somewhere else. Mm. And the characters meet Mithra's uh, lieutenant, and they're asked to go to Goltra and show the country, the county for the crown. Now, when I was reading this first scene of the act, I was reminded of something that you talked about in previous episodes, the idea of the players versus the game master, on this case, uh, storyteller. Um, did, you, did you notice that as well? Uh, yeah, did yeah. Uh, if if you're talking about the fact that it's it's a very much uh, go and do this, and uh, and if not, you're you're basically going to uh, get get attacked, or or that at least the scenario is kind kind of giving the storyteller like uh, advice on if if your player starts to act up, this is how you yeah, deal with them. It's basically all right. They meet with the 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 representative of Mithras, and here's what happens if they attack him. They have absolutely no reason to attack yeah. him. And if, if the characters were the kind of, of people known to, you know, if, if they, they were the kind of people where you think, okay, they would have reason to attack him, they would never have been chosen to, to this uh, for this task mm. because this is very much a, a social, political task. Uh, so so I, I thought that, that ma- uh, makes it rather clear where we are really in, the, uh, in, in sort of... Um, gaming terms we are in a time where um where those who wrote games assumed that there was a sort of antagonistic relationship between um the players or at least their characters and then the uh the 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 world that the game master was making so that you had to be prepared if the characters decided to just attack uh, a non-player character, yeah. which i think is a bit of a problem yeah so but yeah this scene makes it uh, clear that the characters are assumed to be ancillary or Ankylia, however you pronounce it. It's already established vampires, and I would really have preferred to have the first scenario be an intro scenario, as I said, because I think they miss a great opportunity 
the reward for doing Mithra's bidding um, at first does not include the domain of Goltra, and the characters can only get it if they're insistent. And I would think it would have been a better story if the characters were relatively young and were given Goltra upon successfully completing their mission, obviously ruling it in the name of Mithras and paying dues to him and supporting him politically. Yeah. Because I think this would be a way to bring uh, a new group together and give them a shared domain. Mm. I, I don't know if, if, if what, what your take on that is. Yeah, th you, you make some really good points uh, because again, it's a pre-written scenario, but it still feels like there's there's still quite a lot to do for the storyteller to uh, to find a way for the characters to to have a reason to be contacted by Mithras, as you said. Things uh, at the list of okay. Uh, I am losing your audio. I can't really hear you. I don't know what to do about it. Is there? Oh, I can hear you now. Yeah. <laughs> I just lost you uh, a bit there. Yeah. Uh, I don't really don't know what's um, <laughs> uh, what's wrong. Okay. Um, so I can hear you fine now, and I hope you can hear me as well. I can hear you. So let's let's get on with the show. Perfect. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so one last thing here in the intro. Mm. Uh, each character is giving a, given a fine steed, so we assume it's either a ghoul horse or one used to canine riders. And then the scenario expects them to set off at once or within a day of two and starts the next scene by saying the characters arrive at the outskirts of Galtra after traveling most of the night. Now, I've actually traveled from London to Nottingham uh, by train rather than by horse. It's around 120 miles and Galtra is supposed to be between the two cities. so. Uh, let's call it 60 miles. Uh, travel in medieval times varied a lot, but if we assume that the King's Highway that's mentioned is a Roman road, that the weather conditions are perfect, uh, that all the characters know how to ride, which is obviously not a guarantee, mm. and that the characters uh, ride ghoul horses so they can really push them, and that there is a full moon or some other way not to be traveling in pitch blackness, under these circumstances, a group that sets off as soon as possible after nightfall might, just might, be able to cover 30 miles before sunrise. Yeah. But even with remount, there is no way for the group to cover those 60 miles in one night. I would expect it to take anywhere from two to four nights. So uh, once again, I'm thinking Hollywood, but that just, I mean... No, that that's not possible. Yeah, but they they want uh, the place close enough so that they can go back to to London for uh, for help if they need to, and they specifically mention this uh, in the introduction as well. So so I think it's it's more of a a, a Tremere did it, just hand wave <laughs> it and uh, yeah, because I mean if 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 it's that close to London, it is very far away from from Nottingham, so. Uh, yeah, I've uh, I've I've done some research on medieval travel times for mm. a book I'm I'm working on, and they, I mean they're traveling at night and everything. It just it it they they're not going to be able to cover. I mean even thirty miles is pushing it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Act One ends with the character characters encountering a beautiful peasant girl who's being harassed by the nobleman's evil warden and his men. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the side plot? Oh, I <coughs> I think that this is where the problems of this uh, story really starts because not not only is it the very stereotypical uh, maiden in in distress scenario uh, because it it doesn't even uh, 
serve a purpose that uh, th that there is a a, a woman um, being being harassed. Uh, the the point of it is to show that uh, the earl's men uh, are are bastards pretty much that you're not supposed to like them and and it even says that you're supposed to dislike them and and be horrified by the their behavior uh, but the fact that they basically use rape or so for far only the threat of rape but still as as kind of a plot point just to establish character it it didn't sit well with me it was very pointless and uh and the the character uh, whose name is Jill Left Herder, which I think is uh, something related to the Nerf Herders, uh, I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, but the the she she doesn't really have any agency, other or she doesn't have any agency. Pretty much, she's just there to be victimized. Exactly. I mean, it feels very formulaic. Yeah. Uh, and you also have to think, but what if nobody in the group is on the the uh, road of humanity, heaven, or chivalry. Let's say you have a group consisting of people on road of the devil and or road of the beast. I mean, they're not going to care one way or another. Yeah. Uh, what what's happening here? Uh, so it, yeah, it, it's very much this rape as drama thing, and mm. yeah, it's been played out. And as you said, she has no agency. I mean, she could have. There, there's um, there's a test. I mean, most people have probably heard of the Bechdel test. Yeah. There's also a test in that called the sexy lamp test. Yeah. Can a female character be replaced by a sexy lamp? I feel like she almost could. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. She. It doesn't really matter. Either way, you could. You could. Like you said, you could just as easily replace her with with a sexy lamp. Uh, and and she's only there to. Uh, yeah, yeah, to be victimized, and it's it's pretty boring to be fair. There, yeah. are, there are so many ways to show that uh, that the warden in this case is is a corrupt, evil bastard. Uh, that would have been so much easier. You could have him, I don't know, tormenting animals or or peasants or or just why not just being an asshole to the characters, for example. Uh, so yeah it's it's quite boring actually yeah um so we move on to uh act two which introduces the main uh, non-playing characters and the core conflict uh it starts with a description of the castle in uh the county millstone castle which has its good and its bad points uh points uh what i like is that it's just a stone tower rather than what most people think of as a castle uh, because this is very historically accurate. Many so-called castles of this peri period were just a central keep and a wall around it. Yeah. So at least we don't get uh, Hollywood here with like a big sprawling castle. We just have this central keep. I like that they that they did this. That's actually a point in their favor. Yeah, I I agree. It's uh, it's a fairly good description of of a castle from this uh, time period, and and the picture accompanying it is. Uh, uh, is not bad either. It's it's this um, castle on a on a starry uh, night uh, uh, in the back or st starry sky in the background with with a full moon uh, shining and and a lone rider in silhouette riding up towards uh, the gate. So yeah, that's that's actually good. And and you can yeah. you you get in the description you also get to feel that this is a, a stone building. It's cold and it's drafty and it's not very pleasant. Yeah. Which which they weren't really because no. it's it's hard to keep stone 
uh, warm when it's cold and it's hard to keep it cold when it's warm so yeah yes uh, of course there are i mean if we are going to go into historical things there are a few uh, things that that they get wrong um they they uh, describe it as a round stone tower mm. it would more likely have been a square one considering that it says to have been built by the current lost ancestors yeah so at the time when they built it you built round towers rather than square ones uh it also has a steep slate roof I would think a flat roof for lookouts and archers would be. There would probably be a better, <laughs> at least from a tactical point of view. Yeah. Yeah, but most egregiously, it is said to have four chimneys. Mm. Um, I mean, this would have been just one chimney would have been unusual for a castle that had been built in 1197. Yeah. Uh, never mind one that's said to be generations old. Yeah. Chimneys they weren't really a thing at this time, and those chimneys that there were weren't in castles they were in commoner houses and then they were adopted by the nobility mm. uh so so four chimneys that's that's no they they wouldn't have had that yeah um so it has its good and it has its bad points but yes i agree with you with the picture there that that's a really um really good really atmospheric picture mm. for it um so the characters then meet and interact with the evil warden they make contact with a ghoul agent of um, Mithras's lieutenant. Uh, then they meet with the Earl himself, encounter the local priest, the Earl's estranged son Alfred, and uh, his wife, uh, who is in reality a Brugia, who has embraced uh, the, the Earl's son, uh, uh, and um, who is also an advisor to the Prince of Nottingham. So you have this sort of, okay, these are the, the main players, the battle lines are drawn up, so to speak. Uh, the characters, they represent Mithras, they want the Earl to let the lands revert to the crown. The local priest is an agent of a Toreador who's taken up residence at the local monastery. He wants the Earl to sign over the lands to the church, which, you know, is the Earl's uh, wish because he wants to uh, avoid time in purgatory from doing that. And the Earl's son wants to inherit his father's land so that they can fall under the influence of the Bruja Prince of Nottingham. Yeah. Um, so this setup, in addition to being nicely historically accurate, uh, with three factions vying for a choice bit of territory. It's also very political, and I think that the setup, the, the frame that they, are, that they have for this, is quite appropriate for Vampire. Yeah, uh, that it is. as a political scenario for uh, a, a bunch of, of uh, vampires uh, plotting and scheming. It's, uh, it's not bad. Uh, and and again, it, there's there's a lot of things about this scenario, like the the ideas they had aren't bad, but the execution is just weird and terrible. It it kind of reminds me of the Dracula Untold, if you saw that movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago when they were supposed to retell the I the story think of Dracula. I saw it. If I I think I saw it, but I think I also tried to block it out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a bad idea actually. But the story there is to to tell the story of uh, Dracula uh, before he became a vampire and kind of put this this tragic twist to it that he becomes a vampire to save his uh, save his country and his loved one. But of course, it's it all ends tragically. And like, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. But the way they executed it just falls flat and it's cliched and boring and and it feels the same with this uh, again you meet up with the evil warden and his men and and again they're harassing uh, a couple of women who 
uh, doesn't even get names and and you could again you could replace them with a couple of sexy lamps and it wouldn't really make a difference um, and yeah it's 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 all very oh look how tragic or not not even tragic look look how horrible and and edgy and and ooh bad this is and um i i don't know it's i i think you could almost see the edge lordiness uh, pour out from the pages as as you read some of these descriptions yes and i i mean it's not like it didn't happen historically it's not like you couldn't have a nobleman's men harassing women mm. but on the other hand we have this description of a small county that is perhaps relatively isolated it's a small village and i'm just thinking how long would those men last if they acted like that all the way uh, there are sure to be some people in that village who know how to use uh, a bow yeah. and at some point one of them will get an arrow in the back and and sure just because it's something that happened historically it's a played out thing yeah this let's let us show them be bad to women yeah uh, th like you said they could have chosen so many other ways to demonstrate that they were evil and at the same time if the setup is the characters should dislike them if you have a group that like i said are not on humanity or or like paths you're going to have to find another way to make them dislike uh, these these people and as you said have them be antagonistic rude whatever towards the the player characters mm -hmm. that is in my uh, experience a very surefire way of getting the players to dislike them yeah and and as you mentioned that there there's at least one villager who would be able to use a bow there's one of the side plots is that there's a blacksmith whose uh, family has been killed uh, not by orcs actually but by vampires <laughs> so if if he finds out that uh, that the characters are vampires he will try to attack them and i feel that that blacksmith would just as well be able to attack uh, the the warden or one of his men's at given uh, given the opportunity yeah. Uh, so so you could again it's it's not a very likely scenario no um also note uh there's a very um in in the uh, in this act uh a lot of attention is drawn to um lady karen uh the the Bruja, um representative from uh from nottingham that she has this traveling cabinet with mirrors because that is something that can then later be used and once again i i have to call hollywood mm -hmm. if you look at both the description of it and the picture of this cabinet that is not some i mean possibly an insanely wealthy uh person in southern europe might have this but but even then i mean the 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 mirror mirrors back then even uh poor mirrors were hideously expensive yeah uh i think it was i think it was actually mirror makers in if it was venice or one of the italian uh, city states that were they were insanely well paid but they were more or less kept on house arrest because the that was that was venice that was yeah. either the island of murano or burano i can never remember which of those two is the glassmaker's island and yeah I've even been there but yeah uh, it, it's one of those two yeah and b because the the secret of making good glass and good mirrors uh it, it was 
it was so valuable that you wouldn't want them to be uh, to to be either like poached to uh, a competing uh, firm or uh, or or just killed because you you could actually do that if like if, if you if you eliminate the comp competition quite literally then then you own the market. Mm. Uh, and my wife has just informed me that the island in question is Murano and Burano is the lace island. So oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, thanks anyway. to Jacob's wife. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah uh so so this this mirror thing uh is is once again you know it 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 just it just um takes me out of it because she wouldn't she wouldn't have that they um, could have sold it with just a, a highly poly polished bronze hand mirror it it would yeah. have served the same purpose That's exactly i mean mirrors uh glass mirrors no mm. but but mirrors back then you had as you said polished metal uh bronze or or silver mm. um and still expensive but within the means of of an elder vampire yeah this um, that's that's not the weirdest thing about this chapter though if if i may say so um go right ahead yeah uh have you noticed the uh, the teleporting ghoul Wilf um, no, I think I missed that one. Yeah, because uh, one of the characters that they meet up with is is Wilfred, uh, who's supposed to be, or or he's a ghoul in the um, service of Mithras. And yeah. when he introduces himself, uh, he said that he he says that um, that that they they got news in London that um, well I can just quote it soon after you left London. Word reaches the reach the prince that there are indeed other canines in Galtra. Uh, they may cause problems. I have been sent sent to help you address <laughs> them. If if the player characters, if, if they if they leave a few days uh, after they meet uh, Mithra's lieutenant, then yeah, perhaps. But if they leave the same night on ghoul horses, who already travel twice as fast as they're supposed to how the hell did <laughs> wilfred the google manage to get there before them yeah i, I mean this this is a case where where you know the, it, it seems that they 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 definitely made a mistake and they could have easily fixed it with si things like um carrier pigeons with yeah. wilfred having been sent ahead to scout out the lay of the yeah. land and act as um as a um an advisor to the character saying I've checked things out. Here's what you need to know. Mm. By the way, I received a carriage carrier pigeon. There are other canines here. But no, I, I I missed the fact that he was a teleporter. That's mm. uh, <laughs> that's rather interesting. Yeah. Um. So things come to a head in Act Three. Um. The the scenario mentions that the characters might decide to embrace the Earl in order to force him to let his lands go to the crown because if if nothing else is done then he will sign the lands over to the church in order to save his immortal soul but if the characters don't embrace him then uh, his son does so in order to claim the inheritance and then the earl goes almost berserk indulging in this dark nature that he obviously had for all of his life and that which he then tried to suppress uh, because he feared uh, hell the Toreador, who has his haven in the monastery, then attacks the castle and gets into a fight with Car Lady Karen, the Bruja, and things get very chaotic. Uh, I was not especially happy with this ending. I think it wasted uh, potential. 
that it could be so much better with less violence and more politics. Yeah. It seemed like a very, let's have an action scene ending. And sure, you can have action scenes even in Vampire, but it seemed to come out of nowhere to me. Yeah, it, it does. And I, I can see that uh, you you would want like an action scene with... Um, with the the newly embraced Earl going crazy uh, from from literal bloodlust uh, as as um, as a part of it, but the fact that the the monks uh, for some reason are pretty good at at fighting and they then they just come rushing from pretty much nowhere and manage to stage an attack on the castle and and everyone killing everyone else. It's yeah, it it's it feels very rushed and and like you said, there's a lot of misunderstandings and I don't know, I I didn't realize that they had railroads back in the 12th century because there are so many things that just happens without the player characters being able to influence it in in any way whatsoever. Yeah, there are some mentions of if the characters intervene, but it seems like it's assumed that things will happen in in a certain way. And uh, you, uh, I just want to mention real quick with the, the, um, the monks being able to fight, if it had been in a big city, I would buy it because um, one of the, uh, if not the earliest manuscript we have uh, that oh, shows yeah, the, uh, I, I fencing techniques. Read, yeah. <laughs> but that, was, that is at least 100 years older than this and, and also in a big city. So yeah, it's, it's rather odd that these monks who are out in a monastery in the countryside have learned i mean they've been ghouls of the torito for a while but mm. they've learned that much fighting yeah. in that short amount of time yeah. is is really weird you you said older i think you mean younger it's it's from the early 1300s oh sorry yeah, yeah younger but, yeah. yeah it's 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 a uh, hundred years later than this yeah but uh, but yeah, still yeah right. there are yeah I'm, I'm not saying that there weren't fighting monks but again it's it's just kind of difference just kind of, of uh, yeah. strange that they they also mentioned that they have crossbows with, which you had at this time but still it's it's kind of weird that that a Toreador uh, priest or or monk at least would have this kind of of well firepower to yeah, in lack I mean, of a better word the monks word. can't all be retired soldiers yeah, can they no exactly <laughs> uh, so. so yeah the i think we're in agreement that the ending is is sort of this could have been done better yeah um it it it's just it it feels like an ending to something other than a vampire scenario yeah and uh, no go ahead uh no it's, it's just the, the, it, it and it's very chaotic mm. i i i had trouble figuring out exactly what was happening yeah me too actually and and w one of the things there oh there are so many things that are just weird with this like for example why would the toreador uh, a, a toreador of, of all clans just go crazy and attack everyone else uh, lady karin who's uh, who's the bruja she's actually the one who who tries to like negotiate with people yeah be calm and, and yeah. take things methodically and and so i i can see that 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 the toreador would kind of show up and like no we need to discuss this or whatever but just just attacking out of nowhere and and then just uh, again, the fact that that uh, one of the few female characters uh, more she she's canonically I think she's supposed to die. It's it's yeah. there's not much room for it, and and she has a servant who's also a female who of course well, I ends up. I forgot about her because she's not really given 
any description whatsoever. No, no, the uh, Lucille is her name, and yeah. she's she's basically just around to be uh, a chambermaid for uh, for Lady Karin, and and then she's just she just ends up dead. Uh, and the poor uh, poor Jill from the start of the story, she she also uh, shows up being. Uh, um, I menaced by, y- by the Earl. Yeah, and and before that also you have the... At least you're giving the option to actually save her from the evil warden. But again, it's it's just... Why? I, I don't see why you would have all this. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a, a faster clock. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the ending could have been a lot better. Yeah. Uh, the ending to the book is... NPCs, and I am going to rant a bit here. <laughs> Go if ahead. you thought the NPCs of Constantinople by night were overpowered for their age, they have nothing on some of these people. Mm. We have Mithras's representative uh, who has four ghouls, which have fortitude three and potence two. Yeah, while how the did ghoul... that happen? <laughs> yeah, the ghoul Wilfred, um, who was sent to Galtra, he's the ghoul of Aventru. He has Auspex Auspex 2, as well as Dominate 1 and Potence 1. Mm. And it's like, uh, what? Yeah. Lady Karen, the brooder working for the Prince of Nottingham, she has uh, chemistry uh, 4 for yeah, some wh- reason. Where, it's it's where not necessarily that... o- overpowered for her age. It's just peculiar, and it doesn't serve any real purpose no, it, in the No, it game. doesn't show up anywhere, and, and there's no reason why she would have it either. No. Her child, Lord Alfred, the son of the Earl, he's been a vampire for two years. He has seven dots of disciplines. Yeah. Remus, the Toreador, he's just over 200 years old. He has 20 dots of disciplines total, yeah. which you can then contrast with Lady Karen, who's over 600 years and, and has 16 dots. Mm. And their other stats aren't that different. And as you said, she's supposed to lose the, the fight between the two of them. Even though, she, yes, she she is a, a socially focused brute, but mm. still, she's she's got celerity and potence going on. Yeah, um, and, and, and um, uh, the Toreador, uh, he, he for some reason as well has vicissitude. But at least yeah. they explain that he went somewhere and, and learned it from the Tsimish, but it's just like... Yeah, it's it's a one-sentence th- yeah, throwaway, throwaway like, and, and because, uh, like, he uses it to craft beauty from stone and flesh alike, and it's but but why? It yeah, <laughs> but I mean nothing. Nothing beats the Earl of Galtra. Oh yeah. So the the assumption is that he is embraced by his son, who is uh, a brucher who's been a brucher for two years. Canonically, or whatever you want to call it, if he's embraced by his son, he has as a vampire of one night celerity one, dominate two. And potence to as a Bruja. And Isaiah doesn't have dominate. Yeah. What the hell's going on here? Yeah. It seems like the idea was to make at least some of the characters challenging in combat without any regards how they should have developed. Uh like you like we go back to what what we've talked about, especially you, the whole uh antagonistic uh challenge relationship. You you have to have someone to fight. Um they had to be challenging in in combat. And looking at these stats, some of the events that that happened, like I mentioned, uh, the Toreador Remus beating Lady Karen in a fight uh, shouldn't happen. The Earl, uh, if the story goes as uh, as it's supposed, without the characters interfering, the Earl diabolizes his own son, who who has better physical stats yeah. than him and physical yeah. disciplines. So so it's like, why? 
it. Yeah, that, and, that and I can kind of understand or accept uh, from it being uh, him managed to get a drop on on his son and sire and just frenzying the hell out of it. But yeah, it's it's still very weird that as a newly embraced vampire, he especially the fact that he has dominate for some very strange reason. Yeah, it's it's an out of clan discipline. He has two dots in it, um, and and yeah. Um, and and a small nitpick: several characters are listing listed as having short swords, which yeah. weren't really a thing in 1197. No. You would have a dagger or an arming sword. Short swords. Uh, the, the closest t- uh, era to this, you would have short sword. Would be if you go back to Anglo-Saxon times, they would have large uh, saxes. Mm. Uh, that some of those were short sword lengths. Yeah. Length, but it it just. Short swords, no, they would either have been equipped with arming swords or uh, battle axes, maces, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, that's anyway, rant over. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything more to add to this? Because I'm, I'm just, ah! yeah, no, not, not really. Um, we, we could mention the, uh, the bulginess of, of the eyes of a lot of the, uh, the character portraits. <laughs> Again, it's it's the style of of Mr. Jones, and uh, I, I don't know. There's there's not r- really that much to to touch on. Um, they no. yeah. Right. Um, so let's assess this book as a gaming book and as a book uh, taking place in a historical setting. Would you run this scenario and or like to play it if someone ran it? Assuming, obviously, that you either have to run it or have to play it as close to written as possible, because that's the only fair way to uh, assess it. Well, if there was nothing on TV and I already read all my books and (laughs) the power had gone out... uh, No, to be perfectly honest, no, I, I wouldn't. And I especially wouldn't pay for it uh if if like i was going through going to my local friendly gaming store and and looking for scenarios and and having read it or having read a review of it i i wouldn't buy it because it's like we said it it has kind of a an interesting idea and it has uh, um it has a very i wouldn't say stereotypical but but a very fitting uh standard kind of power struggle between the different clans uh which which is kind of interesting but it, there are there are so many things that that uh, doesn't fit together uh, like i said it's it's very railroady uh there there are some things that that just doesn't make sense uh there's uh, there's a mention in uh, just just a small mention that if if the storyteller wants to spice up the travel time from London to uh, to Goldthread, oh, yeah. <laughs> you could uh, throw a bunch of of werewolves at them, and I'm I'm just thinking that well, then then you wouldn't have any characters showing up at all probably, and uh, it's uh, no I it feels like uh, a decently experienced storyteller could probably write this scenario on their own. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't run it. I would certainly steal this inheritance idea. I could certainly see mm. myself using that in my own chronicle, but the rest of it, uh, no. And and I would not want to be a player if someone ran it as intended. So as for the historical aspect, like I said, a lot of good pictures, um, 
as long as they don't have bulgy-eyed mm. people in it. <laughs> uh, the whole uh, battle over who gets the estate is fairly accurate. It's yeah. very interesting. Uh, but as I said, uh, the rest of it feels very Hollywood. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's, there's actually one uh, small thing that I think was a small detail that I think is kind of interesting. And that's they, they mentioned in the... Uh, in the aftermath section of, of what happens in the bigger power struggle between Nottingham and London, uh, they mentioned that uh, they might catch the interest of, of the Prince of Nottingham and he might send his uh, his lieutenant, uh, Patricia of Bolingbroke, uh, to, uh, to seek out the characters or the player characters. Uh, and I, I like that they used the, the name of Bolingbroke because that was... Uh, a few centuries later, uh, Henry of Bolingbroke would uh, oh, yes. would become uh, Henry the Fourth of England. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a nice detail that that they've uh, uh, researched some of the names that that wouldn't be out of place. Yeah, uh, right. Um, other than uh, than that, do do you have any last words before we uh, we sign off? No, I no no. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Yeah. Uh, next time, uh, which uh, will be two weeks from now, we will be taking a look at Liege, Lord and Lackey. Uh, if you want to ask any questions or you have any comments to uh, to this podcast, you can find us on Facebook at World of Dark Ages Podcast. So it's goodbye from me, Jacob. And from me, Peter. Farewell and see you next time. Bye.